Pastor Moore's coming. Everybody give God some praise this morning. Are you glad that you know Let's him? give that unto the Lord today. Aren't you glad that you know him? You're thankful for the revelation of his name this morning. Thankful for the prayers that he answers. The time that he works on our behalf to, to deliver and set free. And thank God that it's salvation in this name. Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's so good to see Brother Keith back. God bless him. We joined in with him this morning, giving praise and glory to the true Lamb. Amen. That blessed them so in their labor and work in the last few weeks and able to finish early and under budget. And I mean they just they just met all the all the dots. Praise God. They may have, others may have thought it was them little lambs and little goats that they sacrificed over there. And I bet you if they took pictures of them, if I had about ten of them right now, I'd get what I wanted for them. But we know who's the, who the true lamb is. That true lamb is none other but Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They paid all the price and makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is the door. Hallelujah. He's a blesser. Amen. He saw way down before they did. Amen. And brought the blessings. God bless you this morning. Let our classes go back. Amen. Look around. See some that's not here. Keep them in your hearts and prayers throughout this afternoon. That God would touch them. Bless them whatever reason that they're not able to be here God would heal them if they're sick amen lift them up whatever would keep them from being in the house of God that they would be able to be back with us tonight thank God for all the members amen I thank God for every member of this local assembly and appreciate you and those amen the endeavors you put into making your way to the house of God to be in the house of the Lord and bring your children to Sunday school and I pray for our Sunday school teachers on a regular basis that God would anoint them amen impart the word and give them revelation put it into their children's hearts and minds and spirit to create a hunger in their hearts for the things of God and for the word of God and the power of God amen the favor of God in their hearts and lives this is the best life to live hallelujah that that what the world's flashing out there what the devil's lying about there's nothing to it it's a lie amen the best life there is to live is present these bodies holy and accept them pleasing unto God amen hallelujah don't know anything about tobacco don't know anything about alcohol don't know anything about drugs but know something about the Holy Ghost know what it is to pray in the Holy Ghost pray in the heavenly language amen to see miracles and wonders and signs that take place you and I ought to get excited about we're raising our babies in the right atmosphere amen amen in the nurture of God. Amen. A God that can protect them. A God that can dispatch angels. Amen. A God that can put a hedge around them. Hallelujah. Like no other. I'm telling you only this God can do it. I want to walk in his image. Not in an earthly manner but also in a heavenly manner. I want this image. Amen. To get into my grandbaby's hearts and souls and minds. I'm doing my best to pile bottle up all the prayers that I possibly can. Hallelujah. And I'm dead and gone that they can be some prayers bottled up. Amen. Can be poured out on their lives. Amen. And make the difference of the outcome of their souls. Because it's just that important. Amen. God allowed us to have them and be a part of our lives. And we want to do what we can to see them blessed and used of God and used for the kingdom of God. Amen. I don't care if any of our grandchildren becomes great, whatever the world would call great. I just want to be in the great in the kingdom of God. Whatever measure that might be. Whatever that calling might be. Wherever that might lead them. 
Amen. That doesn't mean they got to have high rank positions. Amen. In organizations or no other place. As long as they're pleasing to God. Amen. It don't matter to me if only we know them. But as God knows them, they're pleasing to God. That's right. Amen. They ain't got to have big bank accounts. They ain't got to own a lot of this, a lot of that. And if God bless them, that's fine with me too. Amen. But I never want the possessions. Amen. To rob the glory of God out of our lives. I don't want the possessions against to possess me. Amen. To control and rule in me. No more can you can let sin rule you. You can't let other things govern you. I'm glad, amen, there's a kingdom in us that rules and governed us called the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's not a greater gift that you and I can experience, amen, outside the Holy Ghost. It's the greatest gift that you've ever encountered, been a part of, to experience. Amen. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, amen, that takes up a bold and dwells within us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. None of this never took place until the New Testament. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it didn't start until the book of Acts. Amen. If you want to know how to be saved in the, in the New Testament time, read the book of Acts. If you want to know the actions of the church, read the book of Acts. Amen. That's how it unfolded. That's how it was. Amen. Thank God we're part of that to this morning. David and Goliath. What a beautiful lesson we've got today. Amen. David and Goliath. Man, as we look at these lessons this morning, uh, probably um, go go not, not really different, but uh, probably stick mostly with just scriptures and things of that nature because I do feel, Amen. Just sort of just focus on this particular uh, chapter. Uh, I believe there's some things that we need to address. I think there's some things that we need God to help us with, Amen. Of the world that we're living in, the time that we're living. Uh, I believe one of the greatest uh, weapons, I guess you could say, a man is the ability of the enemy to disguise himself. David didn't have no problem knowing who to throw the stone at. Think about that one a second. There's a lot of stone throwing goes on a lot of times. But is it the right throwing in the right direction and at the right target? That's the reason you and I have to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because we know that even the Bible's taught us that Satan comes as what? An angel of light. He comes disguising himself. He comes proclaiming to be something that is not. Amen. He's coming, amen, in sheep clothing is what the Lord said. He said, watch out for them false prophets. He said, they're going to come in sheep clothing. But they're going to be like raving wolves. You can tell them by their attitude and their spirit, amen, what they give themselves to. Because they're looking for positions and places to tear down the kingdom, to destroy the church, to destroy the work of God and the fulfillment or the purpose of God. And so what would not be a better way than a man than just have a bunch of false churches? Hypocrite churches. Claiming to be something that we're not. Never experienced. Confessing things that we've never experienced. Proclaiming things that we've never, a man, reached that point or place. We're going to see a lot of things in this today. A man that quite a difference between David and Goliath. Both in the externals as well as the inward parts. As, as we look at this. Uh, if you and I judge this battle 
Amen. By the external things, David didn't have a chance. I tell you one of the things I'm amazed about this story is persuading Saul. David persuaded him because the authority was in Saul. What Saul decided to do and allowing him to walk out in that battleground, man, to face Goliath after the statements that he had made to him and after he had laid down the armor that he had, had done his best to cover him with. But Saul still put his trust in him that he's going to win because if he wouldn't, Man, then Saul, as well as the rest of them, was going to become a servant to the Philistines. So Saul had enough confidence in this lad, a man, to give him permission to go. Because he was the only one that could finally make the shot. Now watch this. Even when brothers attacked him and, and, and made mockery and tried to, you know, uh, could offend at David. And David could have gotten mad and stomped back to this chariot and just went back home. There's a lot of battles in this that a lot of people never have seen, never really realize. And so that's what I'm talking about today. We got giants. Every generation has had their giants. We got ours. They may not look like Goliath, and they may not be. And if you do any study on that height, you're going to find out that they run it from 8 foot something. to Most, most believe they don't go with the 21 inch. They go with the 18 inch cubit, which puts them about 9 foot 6. Amen, which is much of a man. Amen. Now, this was not the first giant that Israel had ever faced. He's the one who gets talked about the most, but he wasn't the first giant, neither was he the last they ever faced. And so we got ours. But you know, the key to us is recognizing the giant. Some giants is only about that long. It's took a many a good lives out of this country. It's only about that long. They some of them only about probably only about that size. So size doesn't doesn't give the definition of a giant all the time. It's the power to addict. It's the power to control. In fact, there's some giants that you can't even see them. But you start talking about the spiritual realms. Those type of powers and envy and strife and bitterness and, and jealousy in far as man's jealousy, not God's. God's jealousy is a little different than man's jealousy. Man, God's jealousy doesn't work off of revenge. Ours does, for the most part, okay, for the most part. So, there's a lot that we can learn from this. It's been a long night for everybody. I just feel a lot of heaviness here this morning, a lot of whatever. Amen. You stayed up all night fighting your giants? <laughs> Praise God. Well, at least you're fighting against them. Amen. That's time to behead some of them. That's what I'm interested in right there. I believe there is some spirits and things that uh, not only as a local assembly, but even as an apostolic movement, that there are some giants that uh, we have probably failed to conquer and defeat. I believe there are some giants that slipped in and got the, the ho-ho on us as an apostolic people. 
I can name a few of them, but I won't because it will be offensive. And I just won't do it because I'm not here to be offensive to anybody. Amen. We're not out, as Jesus Christ said, we're not out to destroy man. We're out to save man. And thank God he's in the saving business this morning. And all of us can make it. But we got to make up in our own minds and hearts and spirit. Amen. That I want to be the giant killer that God wants me to be. Amen. And so to do that, I've got to join in his military training and not Saul's. Where the three oldest brothers of Jesse or of David, a man joined Saul's military, a man that was had learned and supposed to have been equipped and ready for the battle, a man. Because if you do any studying on battling and wartime, they had seasons, a man. So everybody would prepare in between those times for those battles to take place, and so we'd be prepared and ready. Even you go into the New Testament, Jesus Christ talks about a man with messengers sent out to examine the, the the enemy and see whether or not what kind of condition he's got. Then you come back and look at yourself see whether or not that you can take him on or not this is also practiced in the old testament it's more physically in the old testament so it's more a little easier a man to observe it and learn from it amen because it physically happens amen amen is is you look into this that's the reason when you look at this particular story and watch it unfold amen and see what happens it's the reason so many were shocked and uh just blown away amen that david was able amen to take a life when you look at the size and the seasons and the military training. Uh, so they never, now watch this. God's, God trains his people a lot of time in places and isolated places that nobody knows anything about. Hardly don't know, not very many will know, if very many, amen, will know anything about it. Now some will. That's obvious because we're going to see that David was called upon, amen, even prior to going into this. And some of this can get a little overlapping and things of that nature, amen, such as the time that Saul questions who this young lad is or the son is, amen, to after, whenever he questions, amen, after taking Goliath out. And it, from the scripture viewpoint, we can see where it looked like David had already been in the presence, amen, of Saul using a harp, amen. But you know what? It's amazing how different you and I look. I've had people to tell me, amen, they'd see me out, maybe from the hardware store or from the shipyard and see me somewhere else, and they wouldn't recognize me. They'd make the statement, and I would even have to make the statement to some of them. They'd look a lot different without that hard hat and safety glasses on and things of this nature, amen. So sometimes you don't, you're not able to identify them. And so sometimes, and God's preparing us and using us in the special anointings of God, because there's some anointings, amen, when you need to sing songs and drive spirits away, and then there's some anointings, you need to pick up the sling and put the rock in it, amen, or take them out. But it's all the covering of the anointing. And when you start talking about the anointing of the illuminating powers, you get back to Moses. It makes all the difference in the world. That's the same way with you and I. We're no different than any other fleshly human being upon the face of the earth. But it's under that anointing. It's through the obedience of the word of God and walking and being led by the Holy Ghost that changes the outcome of, of the situation. We don't have to have great accolades. And we, we might. We might. I'm not saying I don't count that out. God God used Saul, a man, one of the most educated people. And Apollos, a man, a Another one, amen, out of the New Testament used him mightily in the scriptures and mightily for his kingdom. But it didn't limit him, amen, to only have to pick these choose, these few chosen individuals, amen, to do great marvelous things. He also picked fishermen and, and people like that, amen, that he anointed and used of God that astounded the people after the baptism of the Holy Ghost and under the anointing and the quickening power of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost quickens the mind, the heart, and spirit, prepares the individual that he will not be fearful, he will not be intimidated, he won't back up because he heard the voice.
voice of God. He knows he's in the will of the Father. He didn't step out on his own. He was obeying the Father. Amen. David obeyed the earthly Father as well as Jehovah. Amen. And so that's what you and I've got to do. Amen. As long as we got the voice of God or the voice of the Father and the authority of the Father that's backing us up, it doesn't matter how big Goliath is. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how many giants they are. We're walking in the authority and the power the anointing of the Father. The real key for you and I as Christians, amen, is stay under the influence and the power of the Father. Amen. Because if everybody was walking according to the head, everything in the body would be in, in, in unison and amen and accomplish achieving the thing. We got examples of that in Proverbs, amen, with ants and, 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 and locusts and things of that nature that has no leaders, but they all find their formation. They all find their place. Amen. And you know what? If anybody ought to find their formation and place as soldiers of God, it's Holy Ghost filled people that are led by the Holy Ghost. And under that option and anointing, they will not fail. I'm telling you, I don't care how wicked the hour gets, how evil the hour gets. I don't care if the Antichrist comes. He's already been here. But I'm telling you, even the Antichrist will not deceive us. Why? Because we're walking according to the voice of the Father. We know his voice. Amen. And we know how to obey it. We know when to wait. We know when to step. We know when to step out. We know by the voice. So when you start talking about the voice and the fivefold ministry and the word of God and the Holy Ghost, God's got means and ways to equip the church to be the most powerful force on the face of the earth. If you listen to politicians, they use it to their advantage. I can probably count on one hand how many real Christians you got in your politic in politics. I'm just being honest. I know they said George Bush was a Christian. Everybody gave him credit because he made that confession. He was not. He was no more of a Christian than the rest of them. I, I, just, I mean, I don't know other way to be. I believe this. I believe you've got to be born again. Amen. And you just can't do the things that God wants you to do without that. So, so let's go into that. I know I've jumped around a little bit and already. But so, so as we watch some of this unfold here this morning, as God helps us to focus, verses are going to be found in 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Notice that. The name of the Lord of hosts. Notice that host. Amen. That, that multitude, that group, that, that representation. Amen. The host. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You know, that's another key uh, element in this situation. David didn't take this battle on as a personal battle. Understand what I'm trying to say here. He didn't take the, the onslaught from Goliath, a man, just against him as a personal individual. A lot of people get offended because they think they're so whatever. Can I say it? They think they're so important, amen, that you singled them out, you know, and shot them full of holes. <laughs> David didn't have that kind of spirit and attitude. He took the battle that was against his God. You trying to find God, that changes it. Okay, watch this. That's a reason when the actions that you and I have, if it's for the gospel's sake, see, that's what changes. If they slap you because you preach the gospel to them, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. 
And we have the duties, amen, to do that for the gospel's sake. Well, I'll never forget what Brother McCain said one time. I think he said it from this pulpit, if I remember right. Remember about the guys that was going to beat him up or do something? He told them, yeah. He said, I'm going to let you have your way. He said, as soon as God lets me know it's not for the gospel's sake, he said, it's going to be on. (laughs) Hallelujah. So you just got to make sure, amen, when you respond and doing the work of God, amen, that it's for the gospel's sake. And so that's, that's what you and I have got to realize. This day will the Lord deliver thee. To my hand, and I will smite thee, take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses plural. Not just yours, Goliath. Not just your carcass, big boy. All of them. Of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, that's what this is all about. There is a Savior. There is a Savior of the world. This is who we represent. This is who redeemed and saved us. This is the one that atoned us. It's by His blood. We're sealed by His Spirit. We represent his name. We represent his kingdom. We represent his light. Praise God. Amen. That's what makes us giant killers. Truth about God. God fights our battles for us. Truth for my life. I will face my giants with confidence in my God. Confidence in my God. Amen. So. From here, I'm just going to use scriptures probably for the most part here on out. Uh, they've done a good job writing it, uh, all of that. You can go back and read it. and uh, a, lot of, a lot of good things. There's no way I can cover everything. But, uh, but I am and felt, uh, especially even got back here again this morning pretty early and just, you know, uh, the giants, the giants. To be able uh, to recognize that, to be able to understand that. Um, there's always been giants. There's giants in every generation. Everybody's got to face their giants. And uh, the best thing that every generation could do is to kill uh, those of that generation so they don't multiply and increase and things of this nature. That's the same way with doctrines and things of that. Once they're nailed down and sealed down, uh, now watch this. Generations are going to go back and test them. Generation's going to go back, and if they can, they're going to pull them up. They're actually going to broaden them. Some may even narrow them up. This is one of the biggest deals about, amen, circumcision in the New Testament. You can use this as a pattern. If you go back and look at it, this is what Paul focused on the most. Because they tried to add salvation by adding physical circumcision. Can't be saved without it. But that wasn't true. That wasn't a part of it. And so everywhere they went, they fought against because if they'd have started allowing all circumcision or physical circumcision to be a part of it, they wouldn't have stopped with that. They'd have been new moons and new days and keeping the Sabbath and all of that. You just keep making. And that will defile the grace of Jesus Christ. 
which would pollute or defile truth. When you start adding or taking from truth, you just polluted it. You just told, and our actions, our faiths, our beliefs just said, you know, this wasn't good enough. So we either take from it or we add to it. <laughs> okay? So, let's look at this. Let's go back. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and 14 to start with. Well, no, nah, that's okay. Don't do that. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about the latter part of that chapter and the, the time uh, of, of, of David being brought in and called upon because uh, God, a man, had taken the kingdomship from Saul and God, a man, an evil spirit, and it's just going how you want to look at that, a man, but evil spirit came from the Lord. Now, you know, that's how the scripture puts it. So, you know, he allowed it, if nothing else. And through this evil spirit would get a hold of Saul. And if you go back and do any study, even in your premier Bible, it begins to talk about the mental ability of Saul. Now, that ought to throw a flag up to us. So, if this is... This, as we watching some giants and we watching some things unfold and, and, and things uh, out of disobedience, we learned that last week. Obedience is better than sacrifice. In fact, disobedience, amen, is likened unto idolatry and witchcraft. And witchcraft and all works on the mind and the spiritual condition of someone more than anything else. And so here... When this evil spirit would get a hold of Saul, he would become very out of control, making decisions and taking on actions that's, you know, that's got everybody. And one of our biggest problems of our day today is mental conditions. Anybody ever pray for your mind? Hey, we better pray, pray God gird up my mind. Put on the helmet of salvation. I could take all the way to the, to the cross. Golgotha, the skull. The battles in. It's what you see and hear and believe. It's allow what you allow. It's what you submit or yield. You first got to do it with your mind or heart. Fiery darts. Words. Actions, even looks. You don't even have to say something sometimes. You can just give them a certain look, and all of a sudden, man, they, and time he gets back to you, you said this, you've done that, and you did this, and all it was was a look to start with. But the devil knows how to stir that up. He knows how to pollute. And now, today, and I didn't mention them to a certain degree, but, but let me ask you something. Through those little giants that I just mentioned, what do they alter the most? Do they really bring genuine joy? Do they bring health and strength to the body? Why is this most people, and I've heard them, I need something to settle my nerves. So I, they push and legalizing smoking marijuana across this nation. That's going to get the mindset and the spiritual set of this nation more so in a turmoil than even before. 
I'm not against helping people with pain. I, that's not what it is. And I know that'd be the first thing a lot of them. But I'm telling you, that's not the answer to it. It's not going to solve the problems. It's just going to open up a can of worms for a lot more problems. But it alters the mind. It conditions the mind. In fact, anything that you use as a substance to help you deal with pain, that's an external substance and you use it on a regular basis. After a while, your mind don't produce and your body don't produce the very thing that helps you overcome pain. And the reason of pain, pain's a good thing. What if you couldn't feel no pain? And you mashed your finger or cut your leg, cut the main artery off, and you didn't feel it, didn't know nothing about it in about 10 minutes or less, you bled out. We, we living, I'm not trying to be, but come on. We're living in a nation and a time and a generation that wants to be painless. We want to be a generation that doesn't really, how many likes feeling weak? No energy. No get up and go. I don't either. I hate the way my legs feel. I'll be honest with you. Man, just feeling tired and weak. And man, I just, man, I hate that feeling. But you got to deal with it. Got to work with it. Now, I'm not going down some roads to get better feeling in my legs. You can believe that. I'm not going to try some substance. You'd be shocked to how many was told, amen, because they was, watch this. I, I remember, well, I don't know why I've got on this, but I'm on it, okay. I, but I remember, I remember when meth first hit this, this county. We had a meeting with the judge, Ms. Bradley, amen. And, and she was there. She wasn't one, but she was the main speaker there as the judge watching these things come in. And it was, they tried their best to get every clergyman in the county to be there. Because they was begging for help. And they knew where one of the best places to get it is the house of God. So now, now watch this. Let's put this together. What if every clergyman had preached against uh, these tobaccos and all this other stuff and sin that will get you in trouble and maybe cause you to go to hell? What if we held on to that doctrine? Would we be where we at today in this? I don't mean to be too born. I don't mean to, man. But I'm telling you, this is a giant. This is a real giant that's taking a lot of people out. And watch me. And I'm telling you, and I, I'm going to be probably persecuted for this. But they don't, they don't say, no, they, they, they're going to go. They can have the biggest dip. They can, they can smoke the biggest cigar. They can, they can do it. Now, you know, it's like it's not sin. You know, our biggest problem of our day is convincing people they are in sin. That's the biggest shot we've got today. We live in the Bible Belt. I've told some of them. I said our biggest problem, hey man, where I live is convincing people that they're sinners. Because if you can't convince them lost and undone, they don't have no need, no consciousness, amen, of having to be saved. And when they got, amen, so-called spiritual leaders that stands in the pulpit at their mom and dad's funeral and puts all of them in the same heaven and they all tell the story and they all rejoice and mama's up here with this and they're doing that. Oh, it just irritates me to know in because and I'm not trying to put nobody in heaven hell I just know what's written in this book amen that you can't be disobedient and you can't walk amen and serve two masters you can't walk in the pleasure of the world and walk in the pleasure of the Holy Ghost that's impossible 
My biggest struggle, amen, is trying to keep the pleasure things out of this life, amen, through this mouth and through feeling and touch and eyes and entertainment, amen, that presented unto God as a holy and a sacred sacrifice for the power of his glory. What if we had, what if we didn't have no Hollywood? I remember one time at work. And I don't know why I'm on this, but I remember one time at work, I was talking about, talking about divorces. I said, well, nobody be offensive when I'm fixing to say. I said, I could do two things and probably cut them in half. Oh, what's that? I old preacher, what are you? I said, take the women folks out of the workforce and get rid of Hollywood. No, I ain't a doctor. I'm not educated. I don't have all of these degrees. But I'm telling you, there's some things that you can. That's the reason the scripture said, make not provision for the flesh. You can't do that. You can't make provision. That's the reason such strong lines were strong back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. (laughs) About going certain places. Getting caught up and bobbed in certain things. Because of what? Entertainment. It wasn't per se what was the entertainment about. It was everything that was going on around it. And it's associated and tied in with it. And the spirits that are there. If you think you and I can go down to those casinos and eat those free dinners. Which I don't think they have them anymore. But if they did. And leave there untouched and unaffected. You're kidding yourself. Those spirits is waiting and looking for the opportunity for some, some Holy Ghost filled people to come eat. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go home with this, this and here and that one there, but they want to go home with you. They will attach themselves to you. They, they ain't, they're not worried about that one. They've already got it. And so when I mentioned about giants, you know, we would be far better. Let me ask you something. What was one of our biggest struggles in the Iraq war? We couldn't identify our enemy. That's the reason some of our snipers got in trouble at times. Because, you know, sometimes they got about that long to make a decision to blow the head off of about an eight or nine-year-old kid that's coming in with a bond strapped into him. A man coming in to our men as they setting up as a sniper. He's got about that long to make the decision to take him out or take the chance to see if he blows up about eight or ten of our men. So it wasn't so easy. You know, they didn't all go around with a big bull's eye on their head. Hey, I'm your enemy. You know, I hate USA. Kill me. No. They, they, what do they do? They try to weave their way in to look just like everybody else. Amen. And slip in and all the other stuff. Amen. Why do you think camouflage made such a big deal? <laughs> go back to the garden. Who disguised? Who beguiled? And so that's, when we, when we look at this, you know, and, and watch this, this giant business and killing the giant, man, we got something to do, folks. And we got to have the help of God to do it. We got to have the wisdom and the anointing of God to help us to walk in unity and walk in the love of Christ like never before. Because if we're not careful, Amen. And watch this. The terrorists. I'm going to move on.
I've been on that long. Let's look at this a minute. Okay. So anyway, the anointing, the anointing that took place. Here, here, and when this happened, uh, the servant mentioned to Saul about getting somebody to play. Amen. By music. Now watch the power of music. So a servant, watch this, immediately knew about David. He says, I know a lad. Cunning. He's a mighty man. He, he wasn't just a sissy. Go back to the descriptions of him. Uh, He's commanded his servant 16 verses says, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is come upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Saul said unto his servant, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. And the, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, a, a, Bethlehem, a Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, mighty, valid man. Huh. He hadn't thrown the first stone. He hadn't been in any struggles that we know of at this point in time. I'm not even sure if he had faced a lion or a bear at this particular time. Maybe. Maybe not. Could have. Because you got to remember what, what, what Samuel and God told Samuel. I'm preparing myself a man. And God was already preparing a man by the name of David. That knew what it was to take care of his father's business. That had it at heart. Were the eldest brother that would received a third or more of the inheritance. Didn't look at it that way. He looked at the sheep. Those few little mingle sheep. You, you, you know, you're not tending to them. But David, a man, but prior to the anointing, this is where you find him standing to his father's sheep. And so our mindset of church, our mindset about the Bible, our mindset about living for God, our mindset, if we're going to be a giant killer, it's got to go far further, a man, than just on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Looking godly and looking apostolic and walking that way and being kind and gentle. It's got to go far more than just on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And when I'm just with certain ones and certain individuals, amen, and certain people walk in. No, that God's looking all the time, amen. He wants to anoint us and use us at all time. And how we handle these things is really going to determine whether or not we're going to be giant killers or not. In fact, it's going to deal a lot with if we even recognize the giant. I believe our biggest problem in our day and time, amen, is being able to recognize the giant when he walks in. Recognize the serpent spirit. Recognize, amen, just what entered in to our lives and what's trying to get a hold of us like a venomous beast. Amen. And, and Paul gave us the example how to get rid of it. There's really only one way. And that's prayer, amen, a hot prayer, shaking it off in a fire that it might be destroyed. That's about the only way you're going to destroy some of those things. So we see how that David was called upon and brought in to play. And so the stage is being set. 
But then when you move on, you're going to see where after the kind, the 17th chapter talks about the getting in of the war, find the battle that's going to take place and how the Philistines, amen, become and they gathered up. And so we got a valley between one's on one side of the mountain, one's on the other side of the mountain. They got a valley between the two. You got Goliath that's going to come out, amen, for 40 days. You ought to pay attention to that one. 40 days also is a liken unto judgment. Forty days, of forty years, they wandered in the wilderness. Forty days, he come out speaking, amen, defying to God. By what? By his voice. You know what? He set the atmosphere. That's the reason you got to pay attention to the voices that try to enter into your space. Because if the devil can enter into your space with his roaring and demanding overcoming power to intimidate you. The reason a lot of people don't want to come this way. They really don't believe they can live this lifestyle. You know why? Because they're trying to govern that, amen, from a carnal mind and a fleshly mind. But if you ever get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of God running and flowing in your life on a regular basis, living this life is really not that big a deal. not as hard as we make it out to be. My biggest giant sometimes is I brush his teeth, I comb his hair. I slap him around at once. Be <laughs> like Brother Holmes, I drag him up to that mirror and say, let me tell you something, buddy. Because <laughs> it's so flesh. This so carnal man. Come on, the New Testament taught us it's hostile against God. This corner man is never going to just want to get involved into that spiritual work. We don't mind it so much once everybody else gets the power and anointing flowing and things of that nature. Then we want to join in. That's the reason they like to drink that holy fire. Well, let me, let me, let me. You don't think this world's not heading to some junk? How many's heard of the um, holy board? I didn't figure y'all had to. They're coming out with it. Come out to begin with. Now, I just picked this up, and it was kind of odd that I was listening to my radio with the same two days in a row and the same broadcast from the Olive Tree Bunch. And they've, they're coming out with a, a board now, and they call it a holy board. And they start out, supposing, I'm going by what they're saying now, Coming out kind of mocking God and things of that nature. But now it's reached a point in place that so, so many of the Christians feel like it's a board that they can hear the voice of God. But the one that's pulling the cover off says it's a Ouija board. And they're not listening to the voice of God, but it's tapping them into demonical forces and powers. And parents are buying it for their kids. And people are buying it, amen, trying to use it to hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, folks, spiritually, our nation is so blind. They're blinded. And, and watch this. Here's, here's the deal. Here's what, here's what got some of my attention. They're the hungry and thirsty trying to find the voice of God. First of all, they've never been really taught the Word of God because if they've been taught the Word of God, the voices of God comes out of the house of God, the Word of God, and the fivefold ministry. 
And he's also given us nine gifts to operate through. And some of those, amen, actually are voiced and interpreted as a voice to give us instructions and guidance. We don't need a board of any type, of any form, of any shape. When you start dibbling and dabbling with boards and things of this nature, and if you start playing games, amen, I'm going to tell you something. I think it's a dangerous thing to pray, you know, ask God to, to answer your prayers or give you a token or a sign. Can I, can I say this? Boy, I hope I don't. I, I've had people tell me, I know I got salvation because I asked God to do certain things. Amen. I didn't have, do, have not one thing to do with repentance, didn't have anything to do with baptism in Jesus' name, and didn't have anything to do with speaking in the heavenly language. So God can't be that. That's not, that's, that's unscriptural. It's impossible. Uh, just understanding where we're at, the spiritual condition of our world. And so that's where you and I come in as witnesses, amen, and to, to bring this to them. I, I know I talked on some that Wednesday night, and some of you, I don't know how you're going to handle that and what you're going to think, and, and, and some of you might think. But I'm telling you, there, there's elevations of, of an elder. Uh, now watch it. Go back to Moses, what I said. There'll be some events. But watch this. If we've all been taught right and reading out the Bible and doing what's right, hey, I'm going to tell you what, there'll be, ought to be a lot of more familiarity of togetherness instead of division and separation. There ought to be more of a likeness, amen, than the other. Okay? And, and so, but anyway, I don't want to get on that one. Got, got, got. So as we move on and watch this unfold and see some things that begin to happen. Um, of, um, I'm going to buy a pace one and come back maybe later. Hopefully I can. Hopefully I can remember it. Uh, watch one thing that Saul done. 1 Samuel 14 and 52. And there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valid man, he took him unto him. So now Saul had done spent about two years of gathering the strong men of Israel. Any that he saw and had the appearance and had, you know, the ability. They still, you know, recruiting folks of today, both in the military and even in ball clubs and things of this nature. Did you know they, some of these, uh, some of these athletical uh, franchises, amen, spend big monies on sending people across those waters over there and some of those far off places, amen, to search out for certain individuals. And you know what they go by? They look at for height and things. Did you know that your highway patrolmen at one time had to be a certain height and things of that nature or they couldn't even be considered to be a highway patrolman. Now I think they've lowered that and I think they've changed some of that because of ability trying to get some some folks. So did you just hear what I said? Now flip that to spiritual things. Oh if I can't get folks to come I'll start readjusting. I'll start broadening up. I start letting off some requirements and some watermarks. That's exactly what we've done as a religion, as a nation. We've moved the watermarks. We've done that in the education field. We've lowered some watermarks, amen. So now, instead of 70 or 69 being a failing grade, and maybe they turned it back, and I don't know. But no, at one time, it was a 60, 70, 89, and 100, amen. And I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, whatever. But all that works, amen, in all the areas. You know what all that shows? Spiritually, we're lowering the watermarks. But here's the problem with all that. It affects us in living for God. It affects us. Overcoming the devil and the giants of the enemy. 
because we keep dropping and lowering. Don't demand it. Don't require it. There's certain things, I'm telling you, that is a requirement. If I'm going to live a spiritual life and a godly life, i got to have a prayer life. That's not an option. Now, you don't have to pray. And you know what? God's not going to beat us up and make us pray. And your flesh is not going to really just want to do it every day. Not, not with any kind of season to it. Not with any kind of consistency with it. Amen. So, again, that's the giants, giants. I'm, I'm going to move on again. Here we begin to, to notice, amen, and I'm going to bypass Genesis 6 and 5. Let's, let's go past that one. Um, Deuteronomy 3, 3 and 1. Deuteronomy 3 and 1. I want to show you that this is the first giant that they faced. Okay? Well, you read this setting of scriptures, and for time's sake, it's already 1124, so I won't uh, read all of that. The first verse says, Then we turned and went up the way of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all of his people, in battle. To Go down to the third verse. And so the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og, also the king of Bashan, and all of his people. And we smote him until none was left in to him remaining. And we took all of his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them. Three score cities and all the regions of Argon, the kingdom of Og, the Bashan, and all these cities. Now I want you to notice this. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars. Beside unwalled towns and great men. Catch that. High walls. This was not the first time. Now watch this. Because as you move on, and if you go on to... Uh, I didn't go to that. But anyway, whenever, whenever Moses set up the 12, amen, to spy out, amen, the promised land. And they talked about what? They talked about the giants. Okay? And, and so what do they also talk about? The high walls, the gates, the cities. Folks, this wasn't the first time that Israel, by the blessings of God, had taken down high walls. Had took cities with high walls. It wasn't also the first time that they had taken a giant down. Go back to that same setting of scriptures. Watch this, 11th verse. 11th verse. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants by himself. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabout, the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof. Nine cubits is the length of his bed. This is Og. This is one of the kings, amen, before they ever come to the promised land and all. This is way before Goliath. And he's, he's pretty much about the size of Goliath. Nine cubits. Hmm. <laughs> Are, are you hearing me? This wasn't, Goliath was not the first giant that God, by the hand of Israel, had defeated. Okay? Now, let me step to another one. Because we know that in the training of David, and my time's running out, so with David, what was, what was one of the strong points that whenever he presented himself unto Saul, as the word went out, he made his way, and I know I jumped a long ways here. I know the oldest brother, amen, uh, Elab, amen, had spoke against him. Because when David, well, watch it. David, did David come on his own? Was it a David's idea to come? 
Y'all won't shake your heads. Y'all won't move. It was not David's idea for him to come to the battleground. It was Jesse, his father's. Asked David to go. So he is about his father's business. He's going on the commandment of his father. And he's going to take some cheeses to the captain. He's taking some, some parched corn, amen, to the brothers and check on their affair. And his daddy told him, said, I want you to bring back a token or a sign of their condition. And see how they're doing. Now, one of the commentaries, when I've done a little study on that, says that the, one of the reasons he done that is because most, most wars at that time and setting didn't last but just a few days. And they would come back. And now they had done been gone for we know at least 40 days because Goliath for 40 days had been ringing out and rearing and raising his voice in the valley trying to get them to send him a man. And so when David shows up out, a man of the commandment of his dad, he took care of the sheep. He didn't just forsake them. He left them to be tended. He left attended to them. Watch this. When he left his carriage, the Bible talks it. He left it in the hand of, a, of an overseer. Now, you were seeing some attitude and spirit of a young lad that knew how to take care of things that belonged to his dad and represented his dad. Amen. That's the reason, amen, when you and I, amen, when we start talking about church and we start talking about doing the things of the kingdom of God, they just reach a higher plateau in our lives. They just reach a of more responsibility. You know, we may not do this and do that, but when it comes to church time, we're going to do everything within our powers, amen, to represent it and give it our best, amen. And we're going to make all the decisions. That's the reason we, we don't wait till Sunday morning to try to get our clothes ready. How many of you get your school clothes ready before every morning? I don't get your school clothes ready. Shame on you. You can get up and run like a basket cake in the morning. One of the best things you and I can do is throw everything and put it in the same place every day. I don't like to look for it. I despise looking for something. I'd rather take all my stuff and put it on my, my dresser. Like this right there. My shirt's right there. My socks are right there. My shoes is right here. I mean, it's all right here. I can stumble in there after just three or four minutes, brushing my teeth, washing my face, stumble in there and get all that on. I, I can get up and be ready and out of the house in 10 to 15 minutes. And not rushing. But if I didn't have none of that arranged, and I don't know where I took my belt off, you know, I'm not two no more. I can't just take it off and throw it on the floor. <laughs> Where's your shoes at? They could be outside. They could be upstairs. They could be downstairs. They could be in the closet. They could be, who knows? So when it comes to God, we handle it the same way. Amen. On Saturday nights, and if we can, even on Tuesday nights, we'll start already saying, you know what, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to wear. If it's real hard for you to figure out what you're going to wear, get rid of about half of it. I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. Amen. But that'll help you. That'll take half of it, you know, out. You know, if you only have about two dresses and two suits, amen, you know, that limits it. <laughs> Praise God. Don't take years long to pick it out. But anyway, making these arrangements. You know what, what? You know what makes us do those things? You know what makes us mindful to do those things? If I hurt your feelings, I don't mean to. Because we're kingdom-minded. Because it's church time. It's going to be church time. We're going to worship our God. We're going to go work, worship the one that's going to provide for us and answer our prayers and get us out of a mess and keep us out of a mess. And so we got to handle these things in small things. David handled things in a small manner, in a small way. You know why? Because he was already in training to be after God's heart. And so he knew how to take care of daddy's stuff. Not just his stuff, but daddy's stuff. Because we got to have the attitude to speak. This is not mine. It belongs to God. This church don't belong to me. It belongs to God. Man, hallelujah. 
He finally got just his name on the sign. I'm, I'm sorry he had to do it like he done it, but he got it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And none of you hadn't bugged me about putting my name on it. And I haven't. And, you know, I'm not. Unless y'all just, you know, put the pressure on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because really it's about Jesus. Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a way maker. It's all about Jesus. When we pull in this parking lot, nobody's no different than anybody else. We're all disciples of Jesus Christ. We're all working together. We're going to bring what we can as gifts and talents and ability. And when we come in, we're going to be as a whole. And in this whole worshiping, magnifying the head, that's where we can take down giants. Because I may not by myself can take down a giant. But if I can connect with you and hook up to you, amen, and plug in with your talents and plug in with your calling and plug in with your, your anointing and power, amen. Guess what? I can get out of that. I, what did I preach here a few nights ago? It took 30, amen, to get the man of God out. Only four or five, amen, to put him in the dungeon and put him in the pit. Amen. One phone call can put you in the pit. One bad decision, amen, can put you in the pit. Amen. Listen to the devil just one time, amen, can put you in a place, amen, that'll take a church, it'll take a five-fold ministry and the love of God, the power of God, and angelic host even at time. Angelic host even at time. I got Bible for it in the New Testament. Amen. He can send down there and get them out of the pit and get them, amen, the bars off of them and things of that nature. But here's where it's all at, baby. You and I, it's our attitude toward the kingdom of God. Now, what we think about it, how much preparation we make, how much, how ready are we, amen, excited about being at the house of God. You know, it's, it's that, that excitement, that countenance. I've talked about that some lately. Don't kid yourself. I'm telling you, your countenance makes it says a lot more than you think. When you pull up on the parking lot, you and your wife can be duking it out. But when I pull on this cotton park, buddy, I tell, hey, it's over till we get through. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm just going on. Hallelujah. Amen. God's going to help us. Amen. We're sure not going to do it on his ground. Amen. But anyway, so as we watch this, and he, he handles all of these things. And, and so now when he arrives and he gets there, and, and really, you know, the, the timing's perfect. You go back and read it. When he shows up on the battleground, hey amen, he's just there just a few moments. And all of a sudden, Goliath and the voice of Goliath. And, and while everybody else is afraid and, and, and fearful, and I got some scriptures that deals with that. Joshua was told not to be fearful and afraid. Man, Moses wrote to him in Deuteronomy, don't be fearful and afraid. They had heard that message time and time and time again. Not to be fearful and afraid of these uncircumcised Philistines or any of the other enemies. Amen. Because by my can, by my spirit, amen, I'm going to give you deliverance. I'm going to give you the power to overcome those, those, that military. It doesn't matter if they outnumber you 10 to 1 or 100 to one. It don't make any difference. I'm going to fight the battles for you. I'm going to bring you out on the other side. And so that's how we got to look at it today. We may be facing some things. You know, I don't see how I'm going to overcome this. I don't see how I'm going to win this thing. Yes, you do. You just got to get your eyes on Jesus. You just got to get your eyes on the promises of God. You just got to say, God, I know I don't. I know I'm full of infirmities and inabilities and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to lean on you and I'm going to put my confidence in you. I'm not going to listen to the voice of carnality. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the world. I'm not going to listen to those those giants out there that talks about everybody's doing it and everybody's failure. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's not committing fornication. Everybody's not sinning. Everybody's not walking in unrighteous. Everybody's not walking the house of God as a bunch of hypocrites. Hallelujah. We live this thing outside the doors as well as inside the door. And we're going to purpose in our minds and hearts and spirit. We got some things conquered. We got some things under our feet. And by the help of God, the grace of God, the grace of God, just like Noah found, they're going to find that same grace. If we're going back to Noah's day, watch this. We got to find the same grace that Noah found. But by this grace, we can overcome every giant that rises up against us. 
But you and I cannot be fearful or afraid of it. And so as the word gets to Saul, amen, the, hey, you, you, got, you, got, you got a man just voicing, saying he'll, he'll do it. And so Saul has him to come. He presents himself. And, and so in that conversation, amen, Saul first appears on him. I mean, hey, I mean, come on, we all got opinions. He tells him quick, like, he, he might even kind of, David, there ain't no way under the sun, man. You just a lad. You just, you got to understand that Goliath. He, he's, he's been through battles. He's been tested. When they say a champion, that means he's done won some battles. I mean, they put their, the Philistines are putting their trust in Goliath. Okay? So, so he had proven himself with them. And with Saul. It must apparently had Saul and Elab and all the rest of them pretty. And those strong men that we just read about, the Saul they collect, there were none of them. They was all hiding themselves. And so now David, a man, begins to rehearse to him what had happened, what had taken place in his life. How that, how that a, a lion and a bear had came and took one of the lambs. And David said, I smote him. And I took the lamb out of his mouth. And I took the lamb out of the lion's mouth. Now watch this. I believe David was going to walk off. He's going to let it be. But the Bible says the lion and the bear rose up against him. And he smote him the second time. He smote it twice. And the last time he didn't have to worry about that lion or that bear. And so he tells Saul, this uncircumcised, which you'll, you'll notice... David never looks at Goliath as a giant. He never gives him the honor. That never mentioned. He calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. It's going to be just like that lion and just like that bear. And so this persuaded Saul. But Saul decided here, let me take my armor. And let me cover you with it. Now you've got to remember. Goliath was covered with armor. The Bible pretty well says from head to toe. It was, it was like brass armor that's like feathers. that goes on bands and just folds back and covers him. He had an armor barrier in front of him. That were very loyal to him. A man. He had a spear that was about five foot long. That was actually in the band. That, that javelin most of them was. But he was so huge and big. A man. It was, he could use it for either one. Even as a spear. And so the, the armor and the military thing. They, they tell us said probably weighed somewhere around 150 pounds. That he had on. So this gives us a good idea. Of the size of this man. Of the strength of this man. But he was all physical. Okay. Now you got David. They don't really tell us the height. They don't give us no weight size. They don't do any of that. <laughs> but he comes in talking about. Now, now let me ask you something. Had, had there ever been a man slew a lion before? Samson. With his bare hands. Had rent a lion. Could it be that David knew a little something about this? That's the reason it's so important for you and I to hear those stories and tell those testimonies. So you can persuade others 
convince others he done it for me. Paul's writing talks about the word of God is an example, a man for us to learn from and to follow the, 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 the steps and the footsteps of our forefathers by faith. Amen. Don't look at the size of the giant or the dilemma or the situation. He taught us that we could speak to a mountain. Speak to it. If you'll speak to it, so I can take and cast it into the sea. Or it can be something as small as a sycamore tree. The same method is used. It's not the size of the element. Amen. It's against us and against the will of God. Now here's the deal. You've got to make sure it's the will of God. Got to make sure it's the Father's business. I think we have to be careful jumping up that God just heals every little thing and every little body. Because God may be using that, amen, to bring something far more important. Getting them into a place under a condition. Now, I don't want to see nobody suffer. I don't want to suffer. And I, don't, and I definitely want to see anybody else suffer. But at the same time, God, you know what's best. And you know what you're doing and what's going on. And they need this to get them. And God, I've got to pray your will. When you call and ask me to pray, I promise you, I'm going to pray God's will. And I'm going to believe God's will is going to work it out. It may not work out like we want it. And in the season we want it. And it's painless as we might want it. But I believe God will work, work it all out. All things work together for good. But allow on that process. Allowing that procedure to take. Amen. We had to do surgery to get that out. Because if we didn't get it out, it was going to kill you. But you know what? They didn't roll you straight out of there. Amen. Most of the time they don't. Anyway, it just depends on the surgery. But most of the time you had to go what into recovery. And there's a lot of moaning and groaning and pain and, and things of this nature. And they talk about different kind of gases and different this and going on and that going on. You got to get up and walk. But you don't want to walk. It's about to kill you. <laughs> oh, that's part of the process. Because six months down the road, and that's been taken out, and you, you regained your health, and all of you healed up, and it's worth it. It's worth it then. Guess what? The same way works sometimes with God's methods and God's way and dealing with us and working with us or for us or for our loved ones. Sometimes that's the part of the facing the Goliath, the giant, and the right season and the right time. David didn't show up on the first day. He didn't show up on the 20th day. It was the 40th day before he ever showed up. There's a time. Because I promise you, after 40 days, Saul wasn't going to produce nobody else. And neither was he going to step up. So God had to bring in a little lad to face the Goliath. You read in the focus verses where Goliath, and you know the story as well as I do, how that he talks and brags. And, you know, he, 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 he called him a dog. He's, you know, he was shocked. He just couldn't believe they allowed this little lad, a man, this little ruddy, good-looking, little fair, you know, and some says that ruddy actually is red, and, and, and it's kind of a special color, a man, where most of them was real dark and things like that. And you can go into all that if you want to, but anyway, a man. So, so when Goliath looked upon him, he said, hey, this is not a military. And now all he's got is a staff, and all he's got, and I don't know if he's seen the five smooth stones in his pouch, and he's got a sling in his hand. 
because he, he done tried, amen, the other covering that, that Saul had introduced unto him. But you know what? All of it was too big. He couldn't keep the helmet up out of his eyes. Amen. And the sword probably was dragging the ground and it's weighing him down. Finally, he looks at Saul. He said, I haven't proved these. That's what you and I've got to do. We just got to go back to those basic things that, that's proven themselves time and time again. That's the reason, amen, when you come to the house of God, you just begin, don't worry about how you feel and what it feels like. You begin to worship Him. You got a duty and a responsibility to worship Him no matter what you feel or don't feel. Amen. Because God's been so good to every one of us. We owe that to Him. But if we'll do that with honesty and with sincerity in our worship and praise, you know what? It changes the atmosphere because he inhabits the praises of his people. And so when you start lifting your voice and magnifying him and exalting him, amen, guess who's moving in and changing the atmosphere and the setting, amen, and putting everything in gear and putting things in motion that we can have a move of God and have church in the manner of the way that God wants us to have it. Don't kid yourself. There's some giants around here that your eyes were open, you'd, you'd, you'd say, oh, wait a minute. That I'm feeling right there, that is trying to jump on me right now. Likes and dislikes, favors. Hey, it's there. It's there. You know why? Because the devil realized this is one of my best ways to keep this thing from ever connecting, ever plugging in. Ever hooking up. That's the reason he constantly reminding you about what happened this week, a month ago, and what you got to do tomorrow. That you can't stay here long enough, amen, to spend an hour with him. But you want him to do miracles and wonders and signs. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But it's the truth. Amen. It's time. We're so, we get so worried about time. This is the most precious place you and I can spend time. Is here. In the presence of God, in the, in the love of God. Come early and spend time praying and creating an atmosphere. Why? Because we want souls to be born. I don't think nobody in this house would want a soul to be born. Amen. Nobody in this house wants anybody to go to hell. I don't know anybody. I don't care who they are. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and we might name some, you know, that's acting real crazy out there. But you know what? I still wouldn't want them to wind up in hell. I want to be saved. I want them to know this truth. And, and so as, as this begins to come together and he goes out to face him. You know, David, he puts it just like it is. And we sung the song here this morning. Amen. The name, the name. He said, you're coming against me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel. And you, your carcass, not just yours, all the carcasses of the Philistines. And you know what? It's contagious. Because as soon as David, I don't know where the brothers were at. I don't know how, what kind of, you know, how they was watching all this unfold where Saul and everybody was at. But somebody was watching. Somebody was seeing it unfold. Because as soon as a man, as he took that thing, sunk it, and it sunk up into the forehead of Goliath. And the Bible said he fell forward, not backwards. When God's in it. Most things when you hit them with such a force and such a power. it's. But the Bible said he fell forward. Where did, where did Dagon fall? On their face. Let me tell you something. You stand for God. You stand for truth. That jive. 
that giant would be on his face. And total submission surrenders. That's also a type and form of worship. It's one thing getting knocked backwards. But it's quite another, amen, to have it sunk in your forehead. And you fall forward in a worship. And it released the rest of them, buddy. They come down off the side of that mountain and begin to slew and annihilate and destroy those Philistines. That's what God will do. But you and I have just got to, you know, have the courage, have the love, have the passion, do our homework. Got to do our homework now. I don't know. I don't know how often he had slung those. And how many times he practiced. I don't know how many little, little jackrabbits he had knocked in the head and grilled over. <laughs> the Bible, you don't, you know. Because in one sense, now I do believe in exercise. Because when you go to the New Testament, it talks about exercising in the spirit. But you become more familiar how to walk, how to respond. Exercising your faith. Little bit of faith, little bit, but use what you got. You got to exercise it. You got to put it forth. Why don't we stand here this morning? And uh, I know I didn't cover all of it. I'd love to went to Psalms twenty-seven, and I had another page and a half of scriptures that we could have looked at and got into the New Testament about our weapons and Amen. That ours are not carnal, Amen, but they're mighty through God, Man, pulling down. Pulling down, now watch that. Pulling down imaginations. Why is it so much easier to believe that we can't do it than it is to, that we can? Why is it so much easier to believe that people come up short than making it? Why is it so much easier to think, well, they don't think much of me. They don't like me. They, man, we can paint ourselves in a cave. We can back ourselves up in this. Scripture talks about pulling down those imaginations. Pulling down strongholds. Strongholds. God has equipped the church to do this. So why don't we just gather around up here. We, we're just going to practice this. We're going to ask God to help us. I, I, I'm going to ask you not only to conquer giants, but God to help us to recognize them. To... to, to to recognize, you know what? I don't think everybody faces the same giant. I believe, I believe, I believe you've got two different giants. The devil's going to attack him one way and this and another. He never thinks not identical. But you know what? I believe God can reveal. Say, hey, this is the one. This is the giant. Trying to take me or my family or work even against the church, the local assembly. And God has raised me up and showed me. And I'm, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to help others overcome it. I believe that's the way God works in the spiritual realm. Hey, I, I'm telling you, the man of God had to, had to, had to say, hey, Hey, eyes, you, you, you're not looking too good. I, I know you come flapping that tent back over and say, Oh my God, preacher, man, we're surrounded, man. They got us. Man, God said, Hey, God, open his eyes. He can't, he's, he's not seeing everything as clear as he needs to right now. It's a lot easier to see the devil 
It's a lot easier to see a man shortcomings. Even among us. When's the last time you could point out more things that wasn't right than was right? I had somebody tell me just this week, and he, he, he's a center man. He said, man, he said, ain't this world so crazy? He said, you can do 99 things right and do one thing wrong. And that's all they're going to ever remember you by is by the one mistake, the one little deal that you messed up on. We're not careful. I said, we got to be careful with every idle word, even toward one another. The offense. Huh. That arrow, that fiery dart. I'm telling you. You know what? It can become a giant. They fought giants before David. David fought them. In fact, and I didn't get there, David faced another giant had it not been for a brother that stepped in on the scene. That giant would have taken David's life. But they rescued him. And actually to the point they didn't want him to come out to battle no more. On that account. So there's one. Boy, can I say this? That's the reason when we get older. I warned, I warned our elders here a while back. I'm warning us again. Sometimes we can allow the wrong spirits and attitudes get a hold of us like, hey, we got this thing. And whenever we put the guard down, kind of like, you know, sitting up in that shooting house or standing on that stand, and, man, you just finally just give up, and you just, ain't nothing coming. I'm going to take me a nap. (laughs) About 30 minutes later, (laughs) you look out there, (laughs) and they're looking at you. And more like this, and... You're like this. (laughs) Oh, I've been there. I mean, one particular time right after dinner, this is when we used to dog hunt all day. We didn't never steal hunt. That was a sin. (laughs) Man, they got me one of them good stools. You know, you can buy them now. You don't sit in the dirt. You got them. I was sitting laying up against them gum trees. Man, I was on, on Company Road. I can tell you right where I was at. And I heard... A lamb snap. I said, oh, my goodness. And look, and there he was. I said, oh, bow. Too late. Too late. That's the same way it'll be. Because them champions, them giants are experienced. And all they need is that one. Be vigilant. Be sober. Why? Because you've got an adversary. And I'm telling you, he's got some momentum in the world that we're living in today. So if the church ever has to be on alert, high alert, we know a little bit about that, don't we? September 11th. We know something about that high alert. Did you watch? <laughs> I know one thing. If I was going to get on a plane, if three or four of them had gotten on with them right kids, I'd probably have you. Oh, y'all take them. Get, let them have their own plane. Give us another. <laughs> Not taking no chances. So that's the way we got to be. It's better to be safe than sorry. Anybody ever heard that? It's better to plan for the worst and hope for the best. 
Come on, folks. I'm trying to help us. I'm telling you, this nation has taken the church and put it on its back burners. If I got time, I go to church. If I got time, I pray. If I got time, I'll read my Bible. If I, you see what I'm saying? That's what's happened to the church. That's what's happened to God. God, me and a man's got it worked out. We settled it eight years ago. We settled it 40 years ago. Now, I live like a heathen since then, but we settled it. It's trickled in. It's a giant. Amen. It's got, it's taken them out by the multitudes. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us here. We don't want giants to take this place. We want to be the giant killers that God wants us to be in our own personal lives, in this local assembly, in this community. Amen. Wherever it might be. At work, on the other side of the world, representing the true lamb that made all the difference in the world. Lord, we love you this morning and appreciate you. We're so thankful for your goodness and grace and mercy. God, we're so thankful to have the opportunity to serve you. You help us in this house today. Every man, woman, born girl of this assembly, as you gird up our minds, our hearts, and our spirit, as you help us, God, to be sober, you help us to be vigilant, you help us keep our eyes and our ears open, God, to recognize the giants of the enemy, of our souls, of our church, of our families. God, help us not to let the strong man be bound, but God, help us be alert, amen, don't matter what watch of the night it might be, that we can see the enemy coming from afar, and we can make preparation, God, to over coming. We allow your calling. We allow your spirit. We allow the powers of your promise, the power of your word. Amen. To be activated into our hearts, our minds, and our spirit in this local assembly. You raise up every man, woman, born girl of this assembly, God, to be soul winners, to be light bearers, to be the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. To walk in the powers of your grace, the powers of your mercy. There be a burning passion in every one of us, God, to be soul winners. There be a burning passion in us, God, to be the soldiers of the kingdom of God. We got to give you honor and praise and glory in this house this morning. There's none lacking unto you, God. We're so thankful, God, and we want to show that thanksgiving doing what we can, God, to come and dine off the master's table and take home with us, God, the difference that we need to make, God, in our homes, the difference we need to make on the job sites, the difference we need to make, God, wherever we go and whoever we are. We're told a submission and subjection unto your voice and to your instructions and do it the way you'd have us to do it, God. You'd be the one that teaches and guides and leads us in the fullness. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost, Lord. We pray it will lead and guide us into all truth. Giving you the praise, giving you the glory today through and by that wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Hopefully something was said to encourage you, give you some help. We want to win this race. We want to win this battle. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. Pray singers at 4.30. Prayer time at 5.30. Brother Ford will be preaching for us. Come back looking for a great move of the Holy Ghost. God bless you.